Ladies and gentlemen, the number something or other, I don't know, 74th ranked sports and recreation podcast in the world, Cheap Heat. Um, Stack Guy Greg has been replaced. His stats yesterday were god-awful. Um, he's been replaced by Finn Balor, the Demon King. How are you, Finn? I'm top of the world, man. Um, big day. The morning of your debut at Madison Square Garden, and you were just telling me in the uh, radio interview we did, this is the last one. This is the last venue you have to conquer. Yeah, this is the last kind of bucket list uh, landmark venue in wrestling that I haven't performed at. Uh, Wembley in the UK, uh, Arena Mexico in Mexico, Cork uh, and Hall in the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, and uh, MSG in, in the United States of America. Do you remember who you worked with in, on each of those shows? Oh, I've worked at all those venues. Now many. Yeah. Do you remember uh, the first? Is there any Wembley, Wembley, I only wrestled once. That was NXT TakeOver London. That was against Joe. And okay. that was one of the most special nights of my career. Um, Was it nice working with Joe on a night like that? Oh, it's oh, honestly, man, uh, I've probably learned more from Joe inside of the ring than I have from anyone. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he like why? It. What is it about Joe that makes him so? I don't. He he kind of turned me from being a wrestler into a fighter. You know, he made me fight him, and uh, it kind of transformed me from a boy to a man. I believe. You know? Is he is he stiff? No, he just like pushes you to the limits, man, all the time. So explain that difference, though, because you, you, you... There's, there's this misconception in wrestling about stiff, right? You know, he's snug. You know, but like, if someone says he's stiff, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to, like, that to me means you're going to get hurt. Right. So you're saying snug has a positive connotation and stiff has a negative so connotation. So when someone hits you, it wakes you up and you go, oh, oh, that's what we're going to do. Okay. <laughs> right, right, All right. Right, and you right. kind of rise to the occasion, you know, and then in a lot of, in a lot of instances, you know, people work light and, you know, you got, you don't feel like you're in a fight or Joe. You know that, like he's you know, there. He's yeah. there. He wants to fight. You got to bring the fight to him. Do you? But do you end up? Can you also have great respect for someone who who works particularly light? One hundred percent. It's an art. Because yeah, you know, and it, it's they're both they're different art forms. It's, it's different versions of the yeah, art form. Exactly. exactly. Because that's what the, some people will tell you. You know, like there's some people just be like, oh my god, this guy worked. You know, there's like Andre, for example, I know could work really light, and people would not necessarily know. You know, they wouldn't, they'd be surprised by it. Yeah. And you have to adjust your style accordingly because yeah. otherwise it ends up looking crazy yeah. if the guy's working light and you're not prepared for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, obviously in Japan, I worked snug a lot. Every, yeah. Every and, that, and that's kind of what I was uh, maybe hired for was my work rate and like how everything looked. And then when I came here, I think I felt victim to uh, kind of working lighter. And I feel like my... Because that wasn't natural to me, even though like to a lot of people, that's like how they do it best. It wasn't how I done it best. And it wasn't what I got hired for. So uh, I think my work rate suffered for a certain amount of time. And I think Joe helped me kind of find the old me. How's, the, how's Hideo Itami to work with? He he looks a little snug. Last time I was like, Yeah, yeah. Looks, <laughs> yeah he's some there. of his kicks look like you yeah. can feel him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting is, uh, you know, I'll be working in, in Japan and I'll be, you know, we'd be working snug, but on the house shows, it's a little lighter, you know, but then I'll be doing independence in Europe and all around the world. And like, you know, you'd be locking up with this guy for the first time 
and they have this misconception that like everything is like concrete, you know, like they're just whacking you. And like the first time everyone would hit you, it's just like, oof, it's like a baseball bat, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then like, you know, you tap him back and he goes, oh, it's like a light bulb goes off in his head and you kind of see him realizing it going, oh my God, he doesn't actually like, you know, it might be snug, but it's not going to hurt him. Right, right. You know? yeah, you're yeah, you're yeah. sitting there waiting to get like pummeled. Yeah. And no, it's not- no, but, but. The, the, my opponent is sitting there waiting to get pummeled. Oh, okay, you know? yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and then, you know, and I get pummeled, then, you know, I tap him back snug, but like, you know, he doesn't get hurt. He, he, right. He, and then he's like, and oh, he goes, wow, okay. Oh, oh, that's how you do it. Oh, okay. So now, now they realize, oh, I don't have to go that hard here. He's not going to go <laughs> yeah. that hard. Um, what was, uh, what's it like, you know, your ascent was interesting and, and, and you eventually make it WWE after being in the business for a very long time. Um, were you at a point, was, was there ever a point of this may not happen and I'm cool if I end up working ROH and I end up working New Japan and I do all the other big things, if I don't become a WWE superstar, that's cool? Or was it always like, no, 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 I'm having my WrestleMania moment, like that's happening? Uh, so when I started this kind of wild journey, all I want to do is have one match. And then I want to have another match and then I kind of wanted to have a match in Japan, but I didn't have like you know, a plan of how I was going to put that into effect. Uh, but, you know, naturally it just happened. Uh, when I was in Japan, I was so happy and so content that I'd actually tried to get a 10-year contract, which would have kept me there for the rest of my career. So at that period in my career around 2012, 2013, I was content to, like, never go to WWE. Because that, you – was that mostly based on – how much you just loved life in Japan? Uh, yeah, the balance of work, life, uh, the art of you know Japanese wrestling, and just kind of uh, the group of buddies that I had there, and I felt like we were all kind of working together towards the same goal. Uh, but you know, when WWE comes knocking, and they keep coming knocking, and you know, it's like the third year they come knocking, the fourth year they come knocking, and I'm like looking at my age and I'm going, hang on, maybe if I don't take this opportunity now, uh, you know, it might not be there next year. What was your agent saying? Did he want you to... Well, my agent is me. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and my dad, you know, I talked to my dad, and my dad's like, you know, son, you love it in Japan. You know, you've had a great career there. I know all your buddies are there. You know, it's a good life. And but, at that point, is but, everybody, is but, the whole club there? Yeah, the whole club's there. Yeah, everyone's there. So I'm kind of the first one to kind of rock the boat and up ship. Uh, but my dad says, he says, son, like, Japan's great. Your life's great. You get to come home a lot. You know, you see your family, you see your friends. You work in Japan with all your buddies. But you grew up watching WWF, and that's what made you fall in love with wrestling. So why don't you, you know, follow your real dream? I think he kind of made me... S- s- see kind of you know the the trees from the woods so to speak and uh you know it was the best decision i ever made man i haven't looked back so real quick what was that lifestyle like though you guys are there and i've 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 had the privilege of getting to go to japan a couple times in the last couple years actually you were just standing there in the room with our promoter who who brought us out there last year for a concert we had a ball and one way i describe japan to people and i've just been i've really only spent time in tokyo um with the exception like a day trip but there's something incredible about it in that it feels absolutely like the most foreign place I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot of places, but I'm like, it's the most foreign feeling place ever. And yet the most at home you will ever feel being abroad. 
and because the, the the way people treat you um and yep. the cleanliness it's just there's a it's as wonderful as 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 you've had described yeah so was that so just take us through that experience of like what life's like when you're with your wrestling buddies like you said you get to go home but then you get to be there for weeks at a time and i'm guessing and you guys all it's interesting because you all stand out obviously people see you and know you're there's something going on well, yeah, when you're standing next to Bad Luck Folly or Giant Bernard, you know, obviously you stand out. Thankfully, like, I'm not too much of an imposing figure. Right, you know? but, so but, but I could kind of blend in right. by myself, but, you know, when I'm stood next to Tyson Tomko or Scott Norton, it's, you know, it's a big issue. Exactly. So um, what made it so fun? Was it, what was the nightlife like? What was the, what was the deal like in Japan? It, it wasn't that uh, it was any one particular thing, but I think for me having that kind of balance of, living in Ireland, getting to see my family, like kind of rural uh, town to like this giant uh, city that's kind of like something out of like the fifth element or something like, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, it's kind of like the, as you said, the most alien kind of first world country in the world. It's literally like going to space, but there's humans there. Right. <laughs> you I know. know. And uh, the first walk through Shibuya is truly like, you're like, what is this? Like yeah. what's happening here? Yeah. Yeah, and then, again, the order of everything, like, you know, there's 12 million people in the city, but everyone, like, it doesn't seem like chock-a-block. Uh, you know, the train, just a small example, people waiting in lines on the platform for the train. The train pulls up, doors open right by where the line is. Everyone lines in, like, goes in uh, in order. And it's just, even though it's so hectic, it's so peaceful, you know? So uh, I was very calm out there. Yeah, it's a and what are the fans like? I mean, we know that they're very respectful of the art. Um particularly, you know, the Japanese treat American arts, whether it's music or wrestling or anything else, with great respect. Mm. Um they really appreciate yeah. it. And we know that the crowds love to like applaud chain wrestling and like things of that nature. Yeah. But what were they like to interact with outside of the ring? Uh, just the same as anywhere else, really, you know. Uh but it's funny, it's not just uh they don't just react to wrestling that way. Like, I went to some gigs, and like it was the same. I went to see the Kooks live, and I was like, it was the exact same, almost silence. Scissor Sisters, almost silence. So uh, it's just how they appreciate, you know, they just pay attention as opposed to kind of interacting with each other. You know? Yeah, you know, they don't, they're not as much as, uh, I mean, I love, I love uh, wrestling fans. They're the people who I, you know, I'm, I'm one of, and, will always relate to and want to talk to. But at the same time, we have a tendency in America, like we like to put ourselves over as fans, right? We, we want to put ourselves over. You said it, man. Yeah, I said it. We, we do. We love to be a part of the show. And sometimes but that's it's great, awesome. Man, because, you know, you buy a ticket, you're there, you have a voice. Hey, listen, and, no, no. There's and, no and it should be heard, you know? And there's no WWE yeah. without the WWE universe. Yeah. But at the same time, it is cool to see the people who are there to just be like, I just want to see what art you're going to give us. Yeah. I mean, it's a, just a different style. Yeah. Um, so... In in WWE, you know, you have a lot of people who, first of all, the company has changed. I keep hearing this, that the company has changed. I, Matt Harding, I spoke about this last week on the podcast, how much the company's changed in the 10 years that he's gone. Um, but there were a lot of people, you know, for a long time who would have sour grapes or maybe just had a bad experience. Who knows? Uh, I'm not here to say that everything that's ever happened in WWE has been perfect. But your experience as the longtime indie guy, true, like, master of the art, your experience so far in WWE, you said, it sounds like has been nothing but awesome. Yeah. 
Did that surprise you? Did you expect there to be like this, it's corporate, it, there's a lot of BS to deal with? Like, What were your expectations and what's the experience been like? Um, there has been some adjustments, but honestly, I think it's testament to like the Performance Center and NXT and how now they're kind of grooming people in and it's not like, you know, just getting chucked in at the deep end on Raw because I'm sure like a lot of people, I think, were annoyed the fact that I spent so long in NXT, you know. How long was it total? It was two years, I think, yeah, maybe a little more. And um, a lot of people were like, you know, oh, you're not being used right. You should have been brought up onto Raw and SmackDown straight away. You shouldn't be going to train at the Performance Center. You shouldn't be doing those shows at NXT. But for me, I felt like I needed to do that and I needed to go through that adjustment phase and, like, I learned probably more in those two years at NXT than I had in the like the last say five years of my New Japan run, and like I was like learning to work a different style, uh, you know, getting to know not only the boys but the office staff, how the company works, what's expected of me when I go to an interview or an appearance, and uh, I think if I had been just chucked in on Raw like first week, it would have been very overwhelming. But, uh, and there's a chance, and I just want to say to people like that, you know, everyone's on that really. Like people need to go. Two things. One, if you want to still enjoy NXT, NXT has to have stars, right? So you can't just be like, they need to get, the second someone blows up for two months, everyone's like, put them on the main roster. So number one, well, then what's going to happen in NXT? You, you can't have a period where there's no stars in NXT. Yeah. They need time to build the next ones. Absolutely. And, and second of all, the people who have shined the most out of NXT are usually the people who are there so long. Let's look at Nakamura right now. Yeah, The guy, I, I admit it, I, I acknowledge this right now, I said it proudly on the podcast, I don't want you to feel bad because you also have a leather jacket at the same price point. <laughs> but I did just buy the Shinsuke, <laughs> the red jacket, because it's like such a great Michael Jackson. Like, anyway, my point is, the guy has a page full of merch mm-hmm. because he's over like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. That is in part not just him being an enigma and being brilliant. It's in part to just how big he was allowed to get at NXT. Yeah. Look at you. Look at Samoa Joe. Yeah. The guys who are the biggest NXT guys, KO, spent your time there. It, it meant something when you got to the main roster. Yeah. Otherwise, I just feel like people want you to just pop up. But I think ultimately that's not in the best interest of the talent. No, absolutely not. Why do you respond to? Because fans mean it in a good way. When they bump into you and they're like, oh, Finn, this is BS. You need to be doing this. It's totally a compliment. It's because they love you. But it's also – because I, 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 I can relate to a certain extent. I've had people tell me they see me out or whatever and they'll be like, ah, it shouldn't be Ebro's show. It should be Rosenberg. I'm like, well, I'm really good with my spot. Like I'm re- So it's an odd sort of thing because they're trying to show their love for you, but at the same time, you don't necessarily agree with what they're saying. So so what do you, do you just well, sort of nod and shake their hand and say thank you? Yeah, normally, like, it's very hard for people to see life through my eyes. You know, they, obviously they have their opinion on how they see it, and, like, I appreciate their opinion, but, like, normally I'll just take that on board and say, yeah, bro, thank you very much. I appreciate the support. But, like, I'm going through my own struggles. And, like, I know what I have to get through. So, uh, so like, obviously their support is – I'm grateful for that. But I know what I have to do. Right. And, like, and you can't they, get and, caught up in that. Yeah, and they don't necessarily know all the internal struggles within the company that, like, I'm going through. They just see, like, 
one one side of the story. They're not seeing like the total picture that I can see. So, what was it like learning again? Because you had, like you said, the last five years of you in Japan. Yeah. You're a stud at that point. You're you're one of the main guys, and I'm guessing when when new people come, you're showing them the ropes. Yeah. You're a veteran, <laughs> right? Then you get to WWE, and there's someone like Road Dog, and these guys yeah. who are like, yeah. and Al Snow, whoever it may be, who are like, hey, let me show you something. Yeah. Was it an interesting transition to go from being the veteran to being the kid again? It was great because honestly, I hadn't been shown anything, or like given direction, or being critiqued in years, and I like. I feel like if you're not being critiqued or being given direction, you're kind of regressing and you're getting, you know, stale and like content with your performance. So like getting to come to NXT, I, I remember like about six months into being at the performance center, I remember like waking up on like Tuesday and going in and having to do like rolls and back bumps and like shoot off the ropes and like a, Terry Taylor pulls me saying, "What's up with you today, man?" I said, "I'm just, I'm just." Lord, man, this is stupid. Like, what, what am I doing here? Like, I'm wasting, I've just wasted six months of my career. And he goes, Finn, what you're learning now is going to add 10 years onto your career because if you had a, kept wrestling that reckless style that you were doing in Japan, you would have maybe lasted two years here. But now I'm giving you the tools to hopefully go for another five years then you should be able to go. So, like, little things I'd add and, like, you know, adjustments and tweaks to the way I was working has really like helped me. Was there one specific thing that if you were to go back and watch a match of yours from six years ago, you'd be like, oh, why did I always do that like that? It was wrong. Oh, just like a missile dropkick off the top rope, landing on my back. Doing? <laughs> just doing it too much or the way you did it? No, just doing it too much, yeah. <laughs> like you can't do that all the time. Yeah, no way, man. And there's, there's small things like... Uh, I'm sure, like, like I can't even, like, pick one right now or, uh, like, even if the people would notice it, like, different things that I would do. But, like, there's so many small nuances that have changed thanks to, like, Terry or thanks to, like, Road Dog or Hunter uh, or Matt Bloom or even, like, Robbie Brookside with, like, facials. like And, like, sometimes, like, so many times in wrestling when you're training, uh, like, you're kind of trained once by your local trainer, you know, how to do a headlock, how to do a headlock takeover, shoot off, drop down leapfrog, you know, hip toss. And then once you kind of do that, you go, okay, what do we do next? Oh, we do some suplexes. Okay, what do we do next? Oh, we do some, like, punches and strikes. What do we do next? Do some flips. What do we do next? Oh, we'll have a match. And then you just start having matches, and you never, like, kind of brush up on those basics ever again, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, and, like, a lot of people just go through like a 10-year, 15-year career with having like practiced a headlock, which is like, or a lockup, the fundamental beginning of every match. They've only like practiced it like, you know, two weeks, 10 years ago. You know? <laughs> That's so crazy. You know? It's the most it's, basic thing. You know, and it's never right. been critiqued or they've never like went, you know what, maybe I should go back and work on the beginning of the match because really that's like the first impression you give everyone. Yeah, apart, from your en- apart from your entrance and your music and, and all that, which is something that I really worked on in WWE, but like when the bell rings, the first impression you give people is boom, that lock up. And like how many people overlook that? Right. You know, and uh, like getting to work with Robbie Brookside on that was something like that was really important to me. And like, obviously, I've, I've been very fortunate that like I trained in England, then, you know, I trained in America for like a short amount of time, but then I got retrained in the dojo again. Then I done a little bit of training in Mexico 
and then again in the performance center. So I've had like periods of, of training, learning, right. yeah, and and like where people were picking apart what I was doing. So uh, I think you know if there's any you know up and coming wrestlers out there, I think definitely pay attention to the fundamentals and go back and you know don't worry about your backflip so much you know well it's funny that you say that though it makes me even think about the way i do my stuff because i'm 37 now i'm yeah. I've been, i'm now considered of no one tells me what to do anymore really yeah. they may be like oh this topic is what you should do but it's like well when was the last time i sat and was like i need to just you know work on being a host like what am i doing what am, am i critiquing my interviews am i so it's interesting if no matter what your path is it's important to not completely get away from fundamentals which we can so often take for granted the one of the things i find most fascinating about uh the wrestling business is the communication or lack thereof that you have with the people that you're working with and obviously it, it depends who you're working with like you and joe could have a match in the hallway right now and you wouldn't have to talk right i'm uh -huh. guessing the yeah. two of you could just go work right now yeah. um how obviously you learn somebody but the thing that i find fascinating is when you get to that point with someone is it simply just the way each of you are moving that allows someone to know what you're doing? Because it's, it's very complicated to an outsider. It's a dance routine. It's doing a full-blown dance routine with someone yep. where you can like say one word every blue moon. But there are periods when I can tell they have not said anything for three minutes. <laughs> and, and you guys are still doing stuff. Is there a way that you can describe how one is able to do that? Uh it's about like reading body language and almost having, especially with me and Joe, I felt like towards the end of our run in NXT that like we could almost like anticipate each other's moves. And uh, like even by listening to the crowd, I knew what he was going to do next before he even done it. And uh, I remember one of the editors of one of our shows came up to me uh, when we had the match in Massachusetts for the title in Lowell, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. where Joe won the title. And uh, I remember one of the editors of the show, they recorded that for like an NXT uh, DVD. And he said like, like normally there's in every match some point that he has to like, like edit something or like, you know, a spot call. He's got to like trim it yeah. out or, yeah, you know, or sure. change camera angle. He said there wasn't one. The, like on every angle that he checked didn't matter there, there wasn't one he could use any take of anything and uh it was just yeah me and joe were just like working in harmony at that at All right, that moment flip side yeah you're in japan yeah they say you're gonna work with ex-japanese wrestler who you've never worked with yeah who speaks no english yeah i'm guessing you have limited japanese limited, yeah. do you speak wrestling japanese yes uh, most uh Japanese wrestling is actually called in English. Got it. So or they, or uh, the lucha terminology. Okay. Yeah. So there's the common language of wrestling yes, you guys yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. But that said, that, that doesn't leave a lot of room for nuance. Yeah, that's that's no, like specific no. spot calling. That's kind of it. Yeah. So how much you sit down and work with this person, Nakamura, for the first time, yeah. let's say, how much are you able to talk? How much are you able to feel it out? How does that play out? And normally what would happen was the spots wouldn't be as intricate. Uh, they wouldn't need to be called and there'd be like, you know, a very simple beginning, shine, heat. And then Japan didn't so much have a comeback. It was just kind of like a turn in the tide. And then like one or two like false finishes that were called and then that was it. So you keep it simple more or less very until you simple, get to know yeah. the person. Yeah, very simple, yeah. Um, how, how many times have you worked with uh, Nakamura over the years? No, 
Really? Not a lot. I think we had like one match in New Japan. Uh, like singles I'm talking about. We had maybe one match in New Japan. One match in NXT. On NXT TV. Is is that something you would really want to do in WWE? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, without a question. Cool. But at the moment, that's not going to happen, right? No, not at this very moment. Yeah. And it seems like... It seems like I think we're all, everyone's sort of holding their breath. It seems like AJ and Nakamura will probably get sooner than later. Yeah, let's um, hope so. That's what it, be that, a treat. Yeah, that's what it seems like. It's, it seems like they really hear the people in that regard because, like, everyone's like, no, I need to see this right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, who, do, who are you most excited to get the opportunity to work with? Who are you most hopeful to get the opportunity to work with in WWE? As someone who, like, we've always kind of, you know, missed each other on a career path uh, is AJ. You know, when, like, we had, like, one match in Japan where it was, like, a six-man or an eight-man tag or something. But, um, you know, when he came to Japan, I went to NXT. And then when I was done with NXT, he came to, or he, when I was in NXT, he had came to, to WWE. But then when I got drafted to Raw, he got drafted to SmackDown. So we always kind of missed each other. So that is someone that, you know, I've looked up to for many years and, Someone I would love to get in the ring with. Do you still pop as a fan that like that AJ Styles is in WWE? Oh, I still awesome. am like the other day I like looked up and, and I'm such a nerd and I I'm like I can't believe AJ and Samoa Joe are here. Yeah. Like I and they're bi- and they're like they are as big as it gets. Yeah. Like I, I still pop for that. Yeah, that I think like that's kind of like a selfish match that I've wanted to have for a long time. But I think like me now being like in the WWE mode. Like, I want John Cena. I want Brock Lesnar. I want Randy Orton. Well, Brock, we because I feel to me, like to me that's like WWE, and that's what I would watch. You know, when I was in Japan, like AJ wasn't WWE. Guy, exactly. You know? So you don't uh, just want the dream indie matchups. Yeah, you want yeah. the WWE I, I matchups. The, I want the WWE matchups that I dreamed of when I was in Japan. Going, you know what? Can I hang with that guy? I wonder how I would fare. How would a match look? How would it feel? How would it, you know? How would I feel locking up with that guy? How how much of a relationship do you have with Cena? Uh, you know, we talk like at the shows. We um, don't text or nothing. You're not yeah. like you're not tight, yeah, but yeah. you've chatted. No, yeah, no. And he's always cool. nice as can be. I'm he's sure. always very helpful. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a very friendly dude. Are, is there anyone that you've become tight with that you uh, maybe surprised you, or that you were just excited to get to know them because you always thought they were awesome? Uh, big Show. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I've always been a huge like uh, fan. I like the Giants. You know. And uh, Big Show is someone who, like, I've always wanted to have a chance to work with. I'm not sure if I will now, but uh, someone who, like, I was surprised at, like, how humble and how nice and friendly he was with everyone in the locker room. What's it? What, what's? I mean, I, I'm asking this question in, in, for the audience, in spite of the fact that I am the rare fan member who now gets to like watch it up close and geek out. Mm-hmm. But the locker room is a really interesting place. Um, that I describe, I, I, and I try to, you know, since I still do the podcast independently of WWE, I try to tell the, I try to tell my stories from WWE at, in a way in which I can share what I can share without feeling like I'm giving away too much. Yep. But I did recently say that like the catering is very interesting because it's basically <laughs> as close to an adult lunchroom cafeteria situation <laughs> yeah. as humanly possible. Yeah, it's true, and man. and it doesn't matter. Whether I'm random radio guy who does my little appearances or whether you're Brock Lesnar. Well, Brock may be a bad example, but like everybody else, yeah. when you get to catering, 
There are decisions you make about where you sit, who you sit with. <laughs> yeah. Are you paying attention to the show? What was that adjustment like for you? And do you enjoy it or do you find it like difficult and like, oh, my God, I'm in high school again? Yeah, I think at the beginning it was very much like get your plate and look around and see who your buddies are and sit with those guys. But now I'm just like get my plate and I normally just get out of there and go, go eat so, it in the locker room. Do you really, is that what you usually do? What's that? Eat in the locker room? Yeah, or just like try and eat by myself, get it down as quick as I can because, you know, at the end of the day, I know a lot of people are in catering to... Why, why are well, there's you, a ladder coming in here, man. I don't, want, I, I don't want no trouble. Cast one, why are you bringing a ladder and a title in, in the middle of our interview? Ladder match, right there! <laughs> Oh, oh, Jesus, you can't do that to the title. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, uh, by the way, Finn, take a look at that title with the old F on it. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Yo, guess what? Is you this a rest? Sign that, though. Okay. What is that? Oh, we should get the WWE guys to start signing. <laughs> yes, we should. We should. Yeah, get a Sharpie for it. Is this a replica? Yes, it's a replica, but he got that replica from the 80s somehow. Wow. Or, or, or early, yeah. I guess, or 90s. That's a beautiful title. Thank you, Cast One, for scaring everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way it's like a wooden ladder. Like he's gonna By do some way. painting or something. Yeah, <laughs> I've never seen that ladder in a in a match before. So wait, so so day of Italian city electrician is what it says. Oh yeah. It. By the way, because we we're in a union building, so God knows whose ladder that actually is. Yeah, don't try to use that at home, kids. So you uh, day of shows, you try to just mostly focus on your own and and sort of relax. Yeah, I'm de- I'm there to work, man. I'm not there to socialize, and I probably get a lot of heat with. A lot of people that are there just hanging out. Well, do you, do you sense that you have gotten that, or do people find you just likable enough, or, or, or A, you're high enough on the totem pole that it doesn't really matter? Because th- th- those things well, are all I relevant, don't, I don't, right? I don't, maybe they are, but like, I don't ever take that like position on the totem pole into consideration or even consider myself high up on the totem pole. But for me, I'm there to work. Like I'm not going to barge into your studio when you're working. You go, hey man, what's up? Uh, how you doing? How's the family? You know, right, right, right. So like, uh, like I hope that you know people don't uh, read into my demeanor on show day at like you know six thirty in the afternoon when we're about to go live. That like, you know, oh, that guy, he's <laughs> he's a douche. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. What's wrong with that guy? <laughs> no, although I, I've seen I, you, you seem like one of the guys who's there's different variations. There are people who are totally loose. There are people who are. I mean, as I, I said this on the podcast recently, there's people like Dean Ambrose I've literally never said a word to. Yeah, well, I've said maybe one more word than you. Because okay, <laughs> day of, I, I, I see him. And, and here's the funny part about Dean is, obviously, my job there is to work with Renee. So I'm always with Renee, right? I'm sitting, going over notes, chatting, and doesn't matter. You never see Dean. He's a guy who, when he's there, day of show, yeah. you, you, you might see him march into catering for a second, grab his coffee, march out. like, But he's... You can tell he's a guy who's focused. Yeah. He's laser focused. focused. Like he's yeah. fo- and he's taking it to. And then there are guys, maybe they don't have that much to do that day, or they're done. Or once they're done, yeah. they don't give a damn. Yeah. But it's it's just different for everyone. Um, I, now the one tough question I got to ask you is: someone I think tweeted me this, and I hadn't really thought about it when I mentioned having you on. They were like, "Yo, it's been a long time since um, Finn's been featured on a pay per view." And we have uh, our, not, not really. How long has it been? Well, how was it a main event of that Extreme Rules? So that was like five weeks ago. Wow! I mean, it's been a full five weeks. <laughs> yeah, how do you recover? God, well, hold man. on. Do you feel I'm though? Losing that, steam. Do you feel? Are you happy with where you are at right now in the main event picture on Raw? Oh, I'm just happy being on Raw, being like featured every week. And, and that, well, that's that was the thing that sort of stood out to me is that I was like, I mean, I 
All I know is what my natural connotation of you in my head is, and that is that like you're a guy who gets a lot of time. Like I feel like you're all you always have a lot of time, and I feel like right now we were in a moment where we thought maybe you'd get Brock Lesnar in the immediate, mm-hmm. and now it appears that that won't be in the immediate immediate. Although I guess none of us really know what's going to happen after Sunday. Yeah. Um, but so you're you're just generally happy being healthy and active every week. <laughs> Listen, man, after uh, going through what I went through for six months. Just, you know, being back on the road, being back in the car with the boys, being back on the show, feeling the energy in the ring, and actually kind of still finding, you know, my old self uh, and getting comfortable with my work again. That's all I'm happy with, you know. Was Mania season tough? Yeah. Yeah, it was. uh, It was interesting because the rehab was going really well that I was almost ready for Royal Rumble. And, like, there was talk of me, like, you know, potentially being ready for Royal And that was Rumble. out there. People definitely talked yeah. about online, too. And, uh, and uh, you know, I missed that, like, you know, by a small window. And then uh, once I'd kind of missed that, I hadn't really heard anything. And, you know, rehab was still going well. And they were talking, oh, yeah, well, you know, Mania is just around the corner, you know. So, oh, okay, cool. And then, uh, you know, I got cleared by the doctors. And they are like, okay, well, you know. It's kind of a little late to kind of feature you in a program. We don't want to throw it away. So, you know, we're going to hold you off till the night after. And uh, obviously it was kind of like bittersweet. Obviously it's great to be cleared and starting to feel better. But obviously kind of the target the whole six, seven months of the rehab was get ready for Mania and come back with a bang. Uh, having to like watch WrestleMania from, you know, the, one of the suites uh that sucked to be honest but in hindsight i wasn't ready like i was back on the house shows i was kind of like getting my, my feet oh yeah back. that was the part that was funky about it, is yeah. you and triple h i watched, saw you guys work the week yeah, before you were ringside yeah, i was ringside at Westchester. <laughs> yeah. that's right you worked the show yeah. and then i was like and i remember going on the podcast and being like it's crazy because it, it's rare that you see a name as big as you doing house shows but you're still not coming back yeah. for the big show and um i remember like uh when they called me up and they said, you know, you're, you're going back on the house shows, but we're keeping you off TV. I was like, is that normal? And they're like, <laughs> they're like no, it's not normal at all. I was like, okay, well, if you guys are cool with it, I'm cool with it. Because I just wanted to wrestle at that point. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, why the hell isn't he on TV? Why isn't he back on Raw? But, like, I wanted to be back on Raw, but I wasn't ready. Like, even I felt when I finally came back on Raw, I wasn't ready. Like, it took me about a month to, to like, kind of finally get my feet going and kind of, you know, firing on all cylinders. Uh, it takes a long time, man. Like, you can kind of do the moves and you can be there and you can be present, but to actually be, like, feeling it. I was going to say, and feel really good. And, and feel confident in everything you're doing and, and, like, get all your peripheral vision back, you know, not be, like, so, like, you know, tunnel, tunnel vision. Uh, it took a while, man, and it's... it's 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 only kind of starting to get there in the last month. Um, what uh, what other sports are you into? Uh, I'm into football, well, soccer. Soccer. Yeah. Who's your team? Tottenham Hotspurs. Okay. Yeah. And is that it? For, is that it for you? Is it wrestling and football? Those pretty are your... much. We got a sport in Ireland called Gaelic football, which is kind of like a hybrid of soccer, rugby, Australian rules football. Uh, you guys of all those tough, yeah. of all those options that are close to football. You guys still had to have your own one. That yeah. was not rugby, American football, Australian rules football. <laughs> You're like, no, F all yeah. that. We have yeah. to have our own slight yeah. hybrid. Yeah. 
Um, it, how often do you get into a conversation with someone who's a total stranger? Yeah. Who you have to fully explain basically what you do. Like, not to say they're not aware and they've, oh, I heard a WWE. We have a going joke on the show of when you meet people and you say, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really into wrestling. And they're like, oh, like, like amateur wrestling? And I'm like, no, that would be weird. And they're like, oh, like Hulk Hogan. And you're like, yes, exactly, like Hulk Hogan. People with that level of knowledge, how often do you have a conversation with people like that? Uh, I try to avoid it as much as I can. And like, <laughs> thankfully, like I'm not a very imposing figure, and like when I've got my clothes on and stuff, like I don't like look like a wrestler or anything like that. So, uh, so do you have a generic thing you say for what you do? Yeah, like I'll just try and avoid the question altogether. Or I work in sports, or I work for a wrestling company, which is oh, yeah. you don't say. So you don't. So say like often uh, when I was at NXT, we were made travel in the NXT jumpsuits, and like you know you'd be going through the airport and like. I'm probably the smallest dude on the NXT roster, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, they're all going through the airport, all these, you know, big casts. Uh, he is not you know, easy to not get spotted. You yeah. know, Apollo Crews, all these jacked up guys, like, you know, and then like I'd you know, be getting a bottle of water or something at the convenience store. And uh lady go, Oh, are you a wrestler too? I'll be No, no, I just work at the office, you know. And they're like, Oh, I just help set up the lights, you know. So uh I'll always try and like avoid that conversation as much as I can. But why do you avoid it? Do you just find it a no? It's difficult. It's awkward. Do you not feel like putting yourself over? Like what? What part of it do you not like? I just don't want to have to explain myself to someone that That's probably right. doesn't really care anyway. You know? Right, right. And, <laughs> and then you may not want to have. Okay, so what about yeah. this? Let's say let's go back in history a few years. Yeah. Let's say you you're you meet a chick and you're getting to know them. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy if you really like someone? Do you enjoy? Uh, I don't want to say smartening them up, but do you enjoy having the conversation of getting to re if they care? Because now this is someone who cares about you. Do you enjoy getting to explain the business to them? Um, the only thing I can relate that to is like my buddies back home in Ireland. Okay, and they don't get it at all. They just think like wins losses. You know, uh, you know, like they're like rock, keeping track. Yeah, like rock and roll. You know, so like trying to get to explain the business to someone. Maybe I just don't do a very good job of it, or like I'm leaving out like crucial pieces of information that I take for granted. You know, that like I just think people should know. Uh, so because you're too in it, you're just yeah, too deep. Uh, yeah, yeah. What and and how big? How big? Uh, how many? You're still you're five. You're one of five. Yes. How many boys? How many girls? There's. Four boys, one girl. And how into the product are they? Like, do they watch you a lot? Uh, they have gotten more into it now that I'm on Sky Sports, which is right. the local sports channel. Yeah. So it's easy enough for them to watch. Yeah. And what about your parents? Oh, they're huge fans. So they always followed, were? Fo yeah, followed me all over the world. Like, when I was running indie shows in Ireland, my dad would drive the ring truck. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he went really hard. Oh, yeah, he went wait, hard. Wait, and was he a fan as a kid, too? Was he always a uh, fan? Honestly, one of my earliest memories of life is watching English wrestling on TV with my dad and my granddad when I was about, like, four. Because English wrestling was so popular at the time that that was the Saturday afternoon show that you would have to watch to get, like, the soccer results. They would, like, flash them up on the screen, the soccer results, because wrestling was more popular than soccer at the time. Jeez Louise. Yeah. And who were the biggest names of that era in English wrestling? Like Big Daddy, Giant Haystacks, 
Mark Rocco, Johnny Saint, who was just at the Performance Center for the last six months. So like, wow, really? <laughs> like someone that I was potentially watching. I don't know who I was watching when I was four years old. I was watching wrestling on TV, but he was one of those stars at that time. And then I get to train with him like you know, so, 30 years later. Did you mark out harder than anyone else at the training center yeah, for me? <laughs> for sure. I was like, you guys do realize who he is. Because, you know, some of the guys at the Performance Center are like transfer athletes from like right. NFL. Unless they're a real nerd, like yeah. a real, real fan. Yeah, for real. Yeah. And uh, like, who's that elderly gentleman? Right? He's like one of the greatest, you know. What about, what was your relationship with Dusty like? Good. Very good. Yeah. Obviously, it was short lived, sadly. Uh, but someone who really helped me kind of find my voice within myself and like not worry so much about cutting a promo as opposed to just talking and just just be you you know he says you don't like you know you got an accent you're irish just be you that's different enough as it is you know um, I, I gotta let you go. And of course, tonight, Madison Square Garden, Finn's debut, once in a lifetime opportunity to see someone kind of achieve their dream and, and play MSG, uh, work MSG tonight against Carl Anderson with Luke Gallows. You gotta watch out for him yeah. as well. Uh oh. Um, who right now, what legend, even whether you've met them before or not, if you show up in an arena and someone says, hey, you know, so and so's here, will you, will you instantly be like, <gasps> really? Who who would who would do that for you? Who who exists? Who's alive still that would make you get that way in wrestling? Yeah. Ooh, I've been fortunate enough that I've got to meet most people that. Uh, well, so then give us some that created that feeling for you. That you know, you know, you know, someone recently that gave me that feeling was Action Bronson. <laughs> Meanwhile, right? actually to walk in here, no one would pop. We were like, what's up? So like he was at one of the, like I've been listening to him for years, you know, and uh, he was at one of the shows. Uh, I want to say in Jersey. No, no, no. I-, I was with Action. We were. It was at um, Long Island. Long Island. Yeah. It was the uh, what's it called the the Shake Up. Yeah, and it was the day uh, that I had the match with Jinder. Yep. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I got to meet Action beforehand, and I was like popping like crazy. <laughs> that is not what I said. So, how big a hip hop fan are you? Yeah, pretty. But like going. Obviously, I don't keep up with it as much currently, but like going back from like when I was 14, 15, like I was Wu-Tang, Nas, the whole, you know, Snoop, wow. Dre. Yeah. So you've probably watched um, old YouTube freestyle videos from this radio station many times. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, real quick, the gender, you, did you have any idea in that moment when you had that match with gender, what he was on the verge of becoming? Uh, I did, yeah. You just, just look at him, man. I know, I know. Yeah, I think if uh, if anyone couldn't see the potential, you know, they're blind because I think he's he's a perfect heel for this business. I know there are a lot of people who go through the like he doesn't deserve, and I don't quite get it because I'm like, well, how long do you have to be around? What what work is deserving of getting a run? Does it mean like? So you're only deserving if you've gotten a push previously? Because I almost feel like you deserve it more because the guy got the worst looks yeah. ever. Yeah. You know, like one after another yeah. of like no one could make this gimmick work. Yeah. And now he finally is in a spot where he busted his ass yeah. and you're and bound to get it. still busts his ass, man. Yeah. I, he, no one works harder than him in the gym. I've seen him. He brings all his meals with him. He's got like gallons and gallons of water. He's chugging all day. He's like, he's relentless. Man. Is there anyone else, last question, anyone else right now besides gender 
um, who's really made you step back and go, whether on mic or in ring, that you're like, whoa, whoa. The, the Miz. Really? Yeah. And like someone that before I was in WWE, I didn't really get. And like since I came to WWE and like seeing the way he carries himself, you know, backstage, on screen, and getting the opportunity to work with him on Raw, 100% class act. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, and again, you talk about perfect heel. Yeah. Like I, the thing I love about the Miz is he will always be booed. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He and he will, wants to be booed. Oh, he wants to, yeah. and he will always get it. And like I, I had a moment the other day where I said, "Man, you know what I love about Enzo and Cass right now? Enzo gets truly cheered as a good guy, and Cass gets." Food. Like there is, it is a good old fashioned. <laughs> yeah. The big guy turned on the little guy, yeah. and everyone's falling into line. Yeah. And and as much as I love everyone cheering for whoever you just find is good, it's nice when there's a time when the show just works out the way it's supposed yeah. to work out. Um, Finn, speaking of things that worked out, we're glad as wrestling fans that it's worked out for you. Um, I thank you because my it when I have enough guys who look like you, it makes it easier for me to keep the TV on with my wife watching. <laughs> So the more my wife can look up. And and when are we going to see you as uh, Demon King again, if you were to predict? Uh, watch this space, man. No no plans right now. I'm... I, I, for the record, I want to say right now. Yeah. And I don't know for a fact that The Office listens to this podcast, but I think that they do. If it doesn't happen at SummerSlam, I, I'm going to have a real conversation with someone. I don't know who, but I'm talking to someone about it. We, have, <laughs> we need it at least two, three times a year. Like I, I want to know if it's a meaningful moment, if it's a match that – is truly a big deal. I want the Demon King. Do you feel the same way or no? Absolutely, but it has to be meaningful. It has to be meaningful. Not the yeah. first match of a story. Yeah. The culmination mm -hmm. of that story. Absolutely agree. Deserves the Demon King. Correct. Thank you, Demon King. <laughs> You're uh, welcome. I'll see you at the garden tonight. <laughs>